Hi there. Today, let's do some proactive work on English language. Let's talk about contractions. If you don't know what contractions are, it's when we shorten and join together common words or phrases. So, an example of a simple one, I am becomes I'm, I apostrophe M. That's a contraction. This is an area of English where it's easy to make mistakes. You might misunderstand what somebody's saying when you hear it, if you don't know the contraction. And it's easy to make mistakes when you write them down. But contractions are everywhere. And if you want to sound fluent and authentic and like a native English speaker, then you will use contractions. Hello, I'm Hilary and you're listening to Adept English. We will help you to speak English fluently. All you have to do is listen. So start listening now and find out how it works. For some of you, this will be a recap. For others, you may be learning some of this for the first time but there'll be opportunity to test yourself on contractions as well. I'll start off easy and then I'll make it more difficult. And don't forget, if you want special tips on how to learn English, then sign up for our free course, The Seven Rules of Adept English, which is available on our website at adeptenglish.com. This course will show you how to use our podcasts in the optimal way for learning. So, contractions. C-O-N-T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N. And we do use this word in different contexts. For example, if you're giving birth, if you're having a baby, contraction is the word we use for when your muscles pull together as part of the process, process of helping the baby come out. So certain types of contraction are very painful muscle contractions. I can attest to this. Hopefully, the contractions that we're going to talk about today are not going to be quite as painful as that. I'll try to make it easy for you. The point of the word contraction, it means a sort of bunching, a sort of pulling together of two things. That's the meaning of to contract or contraction. To contract can mean to get smaller. So, just to recap on contractions, first of all, when we are speaking English, we often do this thing where we shorten and join two words, particularly words in common phrases and common verbs. It makes it easier to say, and really, it's as though we're in a hurry. It's as if there isn't time to say the full words. So, I am becomes I'm. He is becomes he's. So it happens all the time in English and it's particularly common with the verb to be and the verb to have and the most common pronouns. So I, you, he, we, they particularly. It's not the only place that it happens though. But an English speaker will probably say I've, as in I have, and I'm hundreds of times a day. So you'll know the more common ones but there may be some contractions that you don't know. Notice I said you'll, so Y-O-U apostrophe L-L. The other challenge is writing them correctly. Where does that apostrophe go? 
How do you spell Yule? There is a different Yule, Y-U-L-E, which is to do with Christmas. So it's quite easy to get confused here. What about the following? It can be difficult to understand what the contraction is short for. I'd have been really pleased if you'd invited me to the theatre, but I'd had two invitations already for Tuesday evening. What are these contractions I'd short for? Again, I'd have been really pleased if you'd invited me to the theatre, but I'd had two invitations already for Tuesday evening. It's not true. I don't go out that much. So the first I'd and a native English speaker would know this straight away. They wouldn't find it difficult to arrive at the right interpretation here, at the correct meaning. The first one makes sense only if the I'd is I would. So I would have been really pleased if you'd invited me to the theatre. Whereas the second sentence only makes sense if the I'd is short for I had, but I'd had two invitations already for Tuesday evening is, but I had had two invitations already for Tuesday evening. So there's a difference, even though it's the same contraction. Can you decode the second contraction in that first sentence? The you'd. What's that short for? I'll say it again. I'd have been really pleased if you'd invited me to the theatre. Is it you would or is it you had? Well, it's short for you had. I'd have been really pleased if you had invited me to the theatre. The meaning here is it didn't happen. You didn't invite me, but I would have liked it if you had invited me. Another complication. We also shorten in different ways. Sometimes there's a choice. So that example again, I'd have been really pleased. You could also say I would have been really pleased. Exactly the same meaning in the same sentence, but a different shortening. And would have is W-O-U-L-D apostrophe V-E. And I would have means the same as I'd have. So I apostrophe D-H-A-V-E. So it's your choice, but it can be confusing. They do actually mean the same thing there. You need to be able to recognise both. Another aspect of this, some of them sound the same, even though they're written differently. And when you expand them to the full words, they are different. So let me give you some more examples of when these contractions can sound like another word. What about the following examples? Who's the woman in the green hat? Whose is the red car? So you've got two different who's here in these sentences. If you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, you'll have captions, so you'll know the answer already to this. But the first who's and the second who's in these sentences are different. They're spelt differently for a reason. So who's the woman in the green hat is really who is the woman in the green hat? Whereas whose is the red car, whose there is W-H-O-S-E. That type of whose means to whom it belongs. It's possessive, but asking the question at the same time, whose is it? Who does that car belong to? So it's a form of the question who, W-H-O. 
Now, again, native English speakers would understand the difference immediately. So that tells you that it's really just a matter of practice, of listening, and you'll automatically be able to tell the difference between these sorts of words. When it comes to the writing down of these contractions, native English speakers get them wrong quite a bit too. It's something that English-speaking children have to practice when they're learning to write English down. We talk in English about the rogue apostrophe. An apostrophe is A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E. And it's that little mark that fills in the space in these contractions. We use it in other ways too. So the apostrophe is the punctuation mark. And when we say a rogue apostrophe, that's R-O-G-U-E, that can be both a noun and an adjective. Here it's an adjective. So the word rogue means out of control, not authorised, doing the wrong thing. If somebody goes rogue, means they go off doing their own thing, possibly something illegal. So a rogue apostrophe is apostrophe that's ended up in the wrong place when you write something down. So quite a challenge to practice writing these as well, and a challenge to understand them when you hear them. And I think if you listen to enough English, you'll find yourself using them automatically. So I've and I'm are things you probably already say when you're speaking English. A little quiz on these two. So this who's and who is. Can you decode the meanings of these sentences? What is the expanded version of what I'm saying here? I'll say them twice so you can practice. You can say them after me if you want to practice your pronunciation. Number one. The man whose cat ran into the road was very apologetic. The man whose cat ran into the road was very apologetic. Number two. Whose coat is this left on the floor? Whose coat is this left on the floor? Number three. Who's the woman with the walking stick? Who's the woman with the walking stick? Number four. The woman with the walking stick is the one who's helping me with my computer. The woman with the walking stick is the one who's helping me with my computer. Okay, was it easy to tell the difference there? How did you do with those? Basically, the answers, the first two sentences are whose, showing possession, W-H-O-S-E, the man whose cat, and whose coat is this. And in the third and fourth sentence, the whose is a who is, so W-H-O apostrophe S. Who is the woman with the walking stick? She is the one who is helping me with my computer. Okay. Let me know if this type of podcast is helpful to you. Has this helped you understand contractions a little more in English? Or is this stuff that you know already? We really like to hear from you, so give us some feedback. Enough for now. Have a lovely day. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. Please help me tell others about this podcast by reviewing or rating it and please share it on social media. 
You can find more listening lessons and a free English course at adeptenglish.com.